Hello. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's because I was on t- TikTok. Basically, I just made a TikTok um, about like the Glee cast, but as like they're showing like what what of them zodiac signs they are. And did it. And then my friend. Are you coming from my brand? I already am. I'm so sorry. I just thought you know, I was gonna I was gonna tag you in it, but then I thought no. I'm the zodiac astrology expert. Okay in this duo i'll be the judge of that <laughs> no what i mean is i literally Alrighty. googled i actually googled their zodiac so it's actually their zodiac oh. like, make them up <laughs> i actually have i actually have a list quickly before we go into this uh, so darren <laughs> darren and cord are aquariuses i think that's good because they're like they're quite similar i feel like in real life um they're quite creative people um, mm-hmm. A lot of people who are Aquariuses go into the arts, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kevin McHale and Chris Colfer are both Geminis. Yeah, no, I see that. It basically does what it says on the tin. Like, you know, the Gemini logo is, like, two people. So, like, they're, mm-hmm. they're like, two different people, like, in front of the camera. Like, I feel like Chris Colfer very Gemini because in front of the camera he's, like, you know, a different person to what he is. Oh, Boy, actually, really is like that? I feel like that's quite accurate. I don't know. I don't know if he does that, Ooh. but I feel like he does that. <laughs> yes, he does. Chris Colfer's very different to Carmel. Um, Harry Shum and Corey Monteith are both Tauruses. Mr. Shum, I love Tauruses. Yes. Wait, who was the other one? All I heard was Harry Shum. Harry Shum and Corey Monteith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Samuel, you know, uh, Joe, your favourite. Oh my god, yeah, Joe. <laughs> and Damien McGinty, who plays Rory. They're both Virgos. What about Leah? What is Leah? Leah is a Virgo as well. I... She probably has like a Scorpio moon. Well, guess who was, <laughs> guess who was a Scorpio? Um, I don't know. Matthew Morrison. Matthew? <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, I saw his video and it was like, Matthew Morrison's like big six and it was all just Scorpio, like his moon is Scorpio, rising Scorpio, Venus oh, Scorpio. No. I was like, um, I'm scared. No, Vera and Becca Tobin are both Capricorns. Diana Askewitz and Diana Agron are both Tauruses. Yeah, it's Taurus females. Um, Heather Morris and Amber Riley are, are Aquariuses. Yeah. Um, Vanessa Led- Lenges, who is Sugar Motta, is a cancer. So, like, Stan yeah. and Sophie. I hate cancers. Oh, and so is Jane Lynch. <laughs> Jane, Lynch. Jane Lynch is a cancer? What? Yeah, I know. That's no. what I was shocked at. No um, one is Leo. Leo is the best sign. <laughs> Leo is not the best sign. As <laughs> if, much as I love him. <laughs> re- no, okay, Leo, Leo females, literally elite. Tell yes. me I'm Well, wrong. yeah, there's an extent to them, though. Not you though. I don't. You don't give me as much Leo energy as some. I'm like, more Ella influenced does. by my moon, which is a Libra, <laughs> and I'm like, a Libras are the worst. You give massive Libra energy though, but I don't think it's a bad thing. It's because I'm an empath, and that's literally what Lib- Libras embody. Anyway, welcome back to Two <laughs> Anyways, now that we're gonna give up, are you gonna cut all of that out? I won't. No, I'm gonna keep most of it. People at this point, people who listen will just listen for us anyway. They just want to hear us. They just want to hear us talk about astrology. Um, okay, so this episode <laughs> is Dream On. Oh my god. Okay, so I literally was just looking at it now, and in the description it said it was directed by Josh Joss Whedon, yes. who I do you know? Do you know what I'm going to say? 
he directs loads he, of the Marvel movies. Yeah, he directed <laughs> Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, is that a spider? Oh, there's a spider. Oh, oh, hey. there's a spider. Is it Peter Parker? Let it bite you. <laughs> Spidey? No. Peter Tinkle. I don't know how to help you. I literally I cannot know. help you. I'm going to ask, I'm going to text my mummy. Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Oh, and can it mean? Believer and a sing along if you're listening at home. Coming coming you once thought of me. Of me. <laughs> Mis- Mischievous razors cold <laughs> and it stings. We haven't even spoke about that episode, and we're nearly ten minutes in. I can talk about it, but I'm to be watching Anyways, this spider the dream. entire time. This episode, you were saying, is directed by Josh Whedon, which I think shows because it is a very well thought out episode. It's not, some of the episodes we've watched so far have like one plot and it's kind of boring. We don't really care about it. This one has Josh a Josh Whedon plots. really said, Coy Monteith, you're having one line. <laughs> this is not about you, Finn. <laughs> Why is he very true. It's very true. He literally said, this is not about you today. And I don't really know why Quinn wasn't in it, but... He didn't need to be in it at all. Like, it wasn't needed for him to be there. So I'm quite happy that he wasn't. Is it shoes? Oh, I don't know. Um, so we enter with um, Brian Ryan. Uh, My man, Neil Patrick <laughs> Harris. In love how, with him. How famous was Neil? Like, what was Neil? Was he in Modern Family at this point? Modern Family? You imbecile. Is that not it? <laughs> how are you, your mother? No, Modern Family. He... Oh no, your thing. I am thinking the wrong. I am thinking. (laughs) Yeah, but are you? Do you mean Modern Family or do you mean How I Met Your Mother? Was he not also in Modern Family? I don't think he was. You're thinking of another gay board reactor. No, I'm thinking. No, I don't think I am. I'm pretty sure he's in Modern Family. I mean, he might have been, but not like a big role at all. Oh, the Smurfs! Oh, I am thinking of the wrong Broadway actor. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking A of different him. gay Broadway actor. <laughs> That's really bad. I'm thinking of... Um, I know exactly who you're thinking An- of. Is it what's his name? Anthony or something like that? I don't know. He's ginger. Um, <laughs> but I love how he keeps getting cast as a straight man. I, literally, because in How I Met Your Mother, he plays Barney Stinson, who is just the straightest man ever. And then Neil Patrick Harris is just the complete opposite. Really? Literally? And literally, like, if you've never seen How I Met Your Mother, basically he's just playing Barney Stinson here. That's the kind of vibe. That is true. I realised that. But, I only watched the first season of How I Met Your Mother, much to your disappointment. Yeah. And... He has it is very similar, like douchey guy kind of vibes. Yeah, although Barney Stinson is much better than Brian. Oh, Lines. Sorry. Then they go to like this, like skips like this, like kind of like therapy session where they're like show choir kills okay. like high Brenda. Kind Why of vibes. is the guy from Pitch Perfect? <laughs> I'm so I confused, know. and he didn't even have a line. He was just staring at Brenda's boobs. Like what? No, never mind. He was like, oh, um, oh, putting on a show about your dad's prostate cancer will only make things worse. Or something like that. But, like, I'm pretty sure he's, like, you know, he's quite a big actor. I don't know what his name is, but... No, neither do I. I was like, was this, like, him starting out as acting? Or was he just like, yeah, I'll make an appearance. 
I don't know. Like, he's one of those actors where, like, you know his face, but you could probably would nobody knows his name. He's in everything. I mm-hmm. swear I've seen him in everything I've watched. Probably. Even in the animated movies, he's just in the background. That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> animated movies, shut up. Um, but why, again, I've talked about this before, but why are there so much drug references in season one? I was like, I and then I started think... sniffing glue. I was like, um, I feel like they just try to target it. They try to really broaden their target audience. You know, it was, it was a new show starting out. They're like, you know what? We're just going to, um, what's the word, direct it towards teenagers, but also adults. If also we just drugs. drop in drugs. Everywhere. Does adults equal drugs, though? Does adult viewing <laughs> equal drugs? Yeah, but it's like, uh, you know, you need to be quite mature to understand the reference, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Then he he's basically invited to talk to the kids about show choir and about like, like, their lives and their dreams absolutely crushes them which i think is really ironic because he's telling these young kids that their dreams are never going to come true while actually talking to young actors whose dreams have come true <laughs> <laughs> literally so a little bit ironic um but tina crying is me like if someone told me my dream is never gonna happen, I just burst into tears. <laughs> I'd be like, literally, what dreams I have none anyways. Oh, <laughs> that's not true. Your dream is to be the best Primark employee you can be, and that's thanks Primark. How was it today? Was it weird seeing everybody again? Was it quite it was, normal? No, it felt so normal. Literally, as soon as I walked in, I was like, "Hey, I'm back," <laughs> hey. and no one cared. But I. So then we see. So they all wrote their wrote their dreams down. And then we, the next scene is Artie and Tina talking, and Artie lies to Tina because the dream lies. that he wrote down was dancing. Always wanted to be a dancer. Yes, um, and Tina then has an idea. She's like, I think I can make this happen. And then it ends. And um, then we. Oh, anything about. You have anything to say about that scene? I quite like Artie and Tina in season one. They're yeah. kind of dynamic. They're cute. They are cute. Like a little bit more shy of the group. Not as shy as Matt and. Um, Matt and Matt and Mike, Mike. Matt and Mike, Matt and Mike. Um, but definitely still quite shy. Matt has said so many things. Matt needs to actually be a bit more quiet next I season. I know he's kind of annoying. <laughs> don't worry, <laughs> don't, don't worry. He'll be more quiet next season. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> Rachel Berry doing a little I bit really of ballet. I really liked the scene with them. It was so cute. He's like, hi, is so sexy. You know, it's sexy yeah. hi. You know? It's just... I know. That's my opinion on this scene. Yeah. Like, it just... I think it's because they're, like, best friends, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just when they have... That's why everyone loves them together, because it's, like... It's just so natural. It just works. Because, yeah. Because they are friends, and they just have a natural chemistry. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I really... I, it definitely shows between these characters. Why... The, Jesse and Rachel are so popular because they are actually a regular couple. Other people who like hate them, people who hate them, is because of like Finn. So I think jo- this this scene between Jonathan, uh, Jonathan between Jesse and Rachel is quite organic and quite natural. And it's one of the only times I've seen Rachel like be really normal. So we find out just before this, the conversation happens, Rachel says that she's practicing the dream ballet sequence in Oklahoma. The dream ballet sequence in Oklahoma is like hard leah michelle could never sorry queen. <laughs> um but you know anyway 
Um, I, th- I find because it- this whole episode, yeah, it's called Dream On, but you know, it's one of those episodes where they don't talk about the assignment, right? Because there was no assignment, but somehow everyone sings and does things to do with the word dream. Ugh. What? Imagine Glee being unrealistic. Literally. Let me think about that for a second. Imagine that being unrealistic. That's so weird. Like, none of them talk about it. Yeah. No, they don't. I mean, I guess because Brian Ryan was all like, you're none of your dreams are going to get true. <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of like super cliche kind of yeah. episode with the whole like dream thing. It's like we spoke about dreams because this whole episode is all about dreams. It's like, yeah, like, oh, dreams. Kind of shut up. But I think it's nicely ironic how she wants to find her mum in this episode because if she's ever said, I want to find my mum, then there'd be no episode, really. <laughs> she wants to find her mum. I didn't realise how good of a tapper Jenna is until rewatching she's it. She's really, really good. I'm trying to tap at the moment, and I'm, my tap routine is very basic. Um, and I get <laughs> really excited Jenna, just like... by doing like a little bit. I'm like, yay, I'm so good at tap. Um, but okay. honestly... Ooh, sorry. No, you go. I was just going to say... Well, because things were... <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't <Okay>. words. <laughs> things we're talking about the scene. Um, I was so confused because Artie was, like, really into it. He was like, yeah, well, I tapped. And then he all of a sudden just, like, wheels over, like, still looking happy. And then all of a sudden he ends it. He's like, I suck. <laughs> yeah, he really was you like... You were literally <laughs> enjoying it. And then <laughs> you're like, no, oh, I suck. I don't know Um... So he says, because I have been using a wheelchair, I have like extreme upper body strength. I cannot relate. I have zero upper body strength. Okay. I cannot do monkey bars. I can't do push-ups. I can't do any of it. I'm the worst. See, I confuse myself because <laughs> I don't have any muscles, right? If you see my arms, they're really small. My, I do have some leg muscles because I did horse riding. So I was like, you know. <sighs> Stop flexing. Because I'm like, you know, I do my horse riding for a bit, so... Mm. strong leg muscles but like i can do stuff like the monkey bars and i can like i'm not i don't know i don't have i cannot muscles but like i'm not weak but then when someone pinches me i get bruised (laughs) (laughs) sorry to hear that so i don't really (laughs) know what i am what are you who am i do we want? Do we want? The moment must have been so cool. I, I'm thinking, like, I'm not thinking about the actors at the moment. I'm thinking about if, if, as if the characters were real. Okay, just for a minute. It must have been really cool for Artie and Tina to see the height difference when he stood up. Because they, yeah. ne- they didn't know how tall Artie was. And Artie probably hasn't seen how tall he is I mean, for a Kevin long time. I mean, not that tall, right? No, he's not. He's like five nine. Um, <laughs> but like, just to see the height difference is—I thought that was like a really cute moment that they didn't really like hold on to as much as they probably could have done. Yeah. Um, but I just feel so bad for Artie when he falls okay. down. Okay. This scene right. makes me really uncomfortable. No. Oh. I okay. don't know why. It just always has. Every time I watch this scene, and he just falls. I think it's because there's silence, right? And I think that's what they intended. I'm assuming it's what they intended to make you like feel like shit. This is like really bad, and like we should feel really sorry for him because I do. Um, yeah. But then, oh, it really annoys me at the same time because he's like, "You pushed me to do this, Tina." I'm like, "You 
this was literally not on Tina, like, at all. <laughs> you literally asked her to help you. You were like, get those crutches, I'm going to walk. Like, yeah. that was your fault. You shouldn't put that on Tina. That was very, like, kind of manipulating vibes. A little Gaslighting, bit. kind of, like, that was your fault. Because, yes, uh, right. feel sorry for me because I'm in a wheelchair. Kind of vibe, right? So it did annoy me a little bit when he said that. I was like, shut the fuck up because... <laughs> that was your fault. You decided to get up. Shut up, Artie. Just, Just shut fuck up. up Artie. We're now in the scene where they're in the bar with um Brian Ryan and Will. And when I first saw this, I actually thought it was a massive plot twist when he said that like I was not living a lie. I was like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. <laughs> but he did. And oh it made it that much more interesting. Um but I just just thinking of Piano Man. Piano Man's one of my favourite songs, just at the minute. I love listening to it. Um, my favourite Billy Joel song. Um, I love Billy Joel. And I, fiery I just blame sing this song later on. Yeah, right. So this song, yes, is sung in Glee twice. I put Darren sang it better, Soz. But Mr. Shoe's vocals is really, really good. Because obviously this is live as well. And yeah. Don't get mad at me, but Mr. Shoe is really sexy in this episode. Oh, no, I was I thought you were gonna say his I thought we were gonna say more about his voice. I was like, yeah, no, I agree. His voice is really nice. <laughs> and with Neil Patrick Harris, it was a really nice scene moment. You just ruined everything. No, he looks I can't He's Matthew Morrison Matthew Morrison is not an not ugly sexy. man. Yes, in this episode he's he is no a sexy, sexy man. He's no <laughs> sexy. No sex. No, thank you. You can't tell Matthew Morrison is not I- is ugly. Just don't. I don't think I ever have. Like, even when, you know, hating Matthew Morrison was like a thing. I yeah. just don't think I ever have because he's just. I mean, I just, it's not a lot of times I think it, but this episode I feel like he's quite attractive. Quite attractive. You know who I did think was attractive? Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. So I have to... I wrote a point that's going to completely disregard what you said about five minutes ago. Um, It makes me sad that Tina gives him false hope. Because I know that she's trying to help him, but she's kind of just making it worse. Yeah. This is when she talks about the studies. When she brings him all this information about studies that are going to be happening. It's nine o'clock on a seven. (laughs) Sorry. But, like, I understand that she's trying to help you. She's a 16-year-old girl who thinks that she's going to be able to help her friend who's in a wheelchair. Yeah. That's understandable. But at the same time, Artie then gets false hope. I think it's on both of them. It's on that. Now that's on both of you. That's on <laughs> me. And you. Um, I think Artie's quite naive and, like, he's a bit like, oh, my God, hope. I'm, like, realistically, mate you know, you've been told you're never going to walk again and now you think you're going to walk again. Um, but then, t- yeah. yeah, like, Tina shouldn't be like, oh my god, look at this. Um, look at this graph. But then they're kind of both <laughs> stupid. <laughs> look at this graph. I didn't realise he was going to get up and be like, I'm a show choir lover. <laughs> I mean, I f- it, again, like, there's certain points in the show where you it shows their age quite vividly. Mm. I think this is a moment when she's like saying, oh, these studies are great and they're going to work for you and you're going to be able to walk again. It's just like... like... They're both naive to think that it's true, right? Yeah. Because it's, you know, with studies like that, it's like, you know, you probably have to pay a lot of money to, like, 
be one of the test subjects because then like um, Emma points out later on like you know it's very unlikely Mm-hmm. but i i oh god but i don't remember i could be wrong it's either seven or eleven or it also could be eight nine but like it's Artie hasn't been in his wheelchair forever you know he's only been in his wheelchair since he was maybe may, maybe minimum five years yeah so the fact that like it's not like for for a accident like that it's still quite fresh yeah, like, considering he has the rest of his life. Yeah, and right. you still have to go. Before you have to go for like years of like surgeries and all that kind of stuff. I must say all that fun stuff, not fun stuff, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. So to hear stuff like now, probably still he could probably have hope, kind of thing. Um. I don't know. It kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way that scene. I don't get it though. Are they together or not? Because I've never remember them getting back together or getting together in the first place. I know, because last time we saw them, I swear... I don't know, I've probably missed a few episodes, but I swear the last time we saw them was, like, he was mad because she faked her style. Yeah, was <laughs> see episode three, we're like... Literally. Remember then? I don't know, I don't even know why. I don't even know where the director thinks... Directors, the writers think they're going with this. <laughs> Screw you, Josh Whedon. So there's nothing better than Sneaky Jesse. Because we're in the scene now in Rachel's mm-hmm. bedroom and he puts this tape that he's obviously been given by Shelby to play like, to oh, Rachel. what's this? What's this? You should probably read that. And then she's like, no, I'm not ready. And she kicks him out, basically. Get away, nerd. And then we get to an iconic scene, um, which is the audition scene. And... Sugar sang it better than the girl singing. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, also, but... the man who's doing the auditions, another man who I've definitely seen before in other things. He's. Do you know who he is? Who? He's in Hannah He's... Montana. I was literally about to say, was he in the <laughs> Disney Channel show? He's in Hannah Montana. Oh, he no. was a neighbour, but I. Mrs. Da. Mr. Dab. Mr. Mr. Dab something. Hey, you've seen this man for? <laughs> but why is Brian now so defensive? I thought they just made up. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm stealing your song. Oh, yeah, this this weirdo stole my song. Like, <laughs> why are you a friend? I don't understand. Like, I guess, like, the classic side Barney Stinson move. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the right, not the right show. Oh. So this song, Dream On, first of all, one of the most amazing Glee duets. And it just okay, no, wait, I want enough. to... Sorry, before we get to the song, I want to just talk about another, like, stupid, annoying thing. Okay. When, like, you're auditioning for um, Jean Valjean, right? You're going to sing an Aerosmith song? I just... Um, I mean, the the impossible dream would have been a lot of has been a much better choice. Yeah. And I love how, literally, again, with the dream thing, like... Oh, the impossible dream. And then he, you just see Ma- Matthew Morrison, not Matthew Morrison, Will Schuster, just like his gears turning, like, ah, another song that has dream in the title. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I went into my Jeff Goldblum impression. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Oh, another, oh, another dream song. Well, I don't know. Yes, yes. It's really good in 1.5 speed. The original's really good, like the original Glee one, I mean. Um, but it is a little bit like, Every time that I look in Honestly, the I just mirror. don't like the first bit when oh. Will's singing. I do! <laughs> I 
I'm but, so sexy. <laughs> but in 1.5, it's like, it's like, every time that I look in the mirror. It's actually really good. I quite like it. It's kind of vibrant. I might listen to it after. You should. I think, I think this is one of the strongest episodes for Will Schuster's not only plot-lined, he's not being creepy, his... I like the dynamic between him and Brian. I like the way he looks in the episode. I think his voice. I think they did voices. It, but I just can't prove it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And uh, this duet is rudely good. This duet okay. is rudely good. But also good. stupid for the casting director, right? Because, okay, so who is singing the highest note at the end? Obviously, it's Brian Ryan. Obviously, Neil Patrick has superior vocals to Will Schuster. Sorry. Or I think Morrison. Um, right, yeah. So I'm like, and you know, Jean Valjean has to sing Bring Him Home and has to sing that really high note. So, obvious choice was Brian Ryan. And then, oh wait, no, but then the Sue does sing, so it's actually after that. Well, you say that, but my next point is Mr. Sue deserves Jean Valjean. <laughs> <laughs> because his vocals matched him a lot more the vocals i don't think that neil patrick harris has the vocal uh similarity to those of jean valjean personally well, i don't like matthew morris <laughs> I, <laughs> I like that. and i like neil patrick harris <laughs> but it's so... not matthew morris and neil patrick harris it's mr sue <laughs> and brian ryan yeah but who's playing them <laughs> <laughs> a couple minutes ago but now this is the scene this is the scene that shook all the glee peeps everyone was confused I no one knew what was happening they and fooled us they really said Loki. they <laughs> yeah, <they're dead>. yeah. <laughs> this is the scene that i love to watch other people watching for the first time because obviously yeah. i can't experience the wtf moment and when I watch people watch it for the first time, it brings me so much joy. They get so excited and then they get crushed. Um, I just know that Kevin's having a ball because I'm pretty sure Kevin would have thought like, oh, I'm doing this whole show in the wheelchair. Kevin I don't think he ever realised that he'd be getting out of his wheelchair. <laughs> and his dancing is so good. I mean, it, sometimes it, the scene can be a bit controversial. People say like, should the guy in the wheelchair be getting out of his wheelchair? But it's yeah. like, But it's like showing his dream. So like, that's the reason why they did cast someone who wasn't disabled in order to be able mm, to do this. I think this. they didn't cast someone who was disabled because they were like, we didn't want to do that because it was like 2009, you know. They were well, losers. yeah. They, did, um, they, do, they do cast disabled people yeah, leading yeah, on obviously. from this. Um, but I think it would have been a, a large challenge with the amount of dancing and the amount of um so they have to do like physically maybe they that's why they decided to have someone who wasn't in a wheelchair i don't know i don't i won't know the, the ins and outs ever um but it, is but it was nice. just one episode though when he gets out of his chair so it makes me no oh no it happens about six times in the show well well <laughs> but i, I but as a if you're an arty fan it's interesting because you get to see like the world like from his perspective when he's up in it uh, like what he wants to be doing like um an example another example is scream in the michael episode with him and um mike chang oh yeah um this was an i think i've told this before but this is this scene actually was a flash mob i'm not sure how much of it was a flash mob but there are people like on the balcony filming and like watching and that's completely real 
they didn't actually oh, shut down the entire mall they did have it open um but then did they have to like was he still lip syncing yeah but they were just playing the song really loudly yeah well it was all dance it was a dance can you imagine if it was just in silence <laughs> and it's just him singing like we can dance you want to um i just put at this point this show is so good i can't i know when i say i know this show is not good but this song um it is it nearly made it to my top 10 um it was really close it was this episode is like the epitome of what Glee is, and it's this is the episode where like it's really fun, it's really and it's good. Like when it's good, it's good, and this is one of the really good ones. Okay, <sighs> guys, <laughs> can't have no fun to get rid of it because <laughs> I do. My opinions are so good. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, throughout the song as well, more Glee club members join the ep- in the dance. Um, yeah, I noticed that. It's like Chris Colfer. I know, yeah. but as the dance progresses the choreography gets easier so that the more people who join so by the end when like Corey Monteith is joining it's just like nod, nod, step, nod, clap, nod step, step, clap, <laughs> lift our party literally like it gets like progressively more difficult which obviously makes sense because like more people are coming into it but I think it's just really funny how that works um, yeah. this scene between Brian and Sue is so funny because it's supposed yeah. to be like sexy but they're both gay but they're both also sexy and it's really funny the (laughs) dynamic i know i didn't write it down but i just remembered it when she's like i have a room i have a room upstairs she's a special room to have hookups with people in the school no one addresses this i thought she married herself yeah she does later on (laughs) yeah then we get to more Jonathan Groff and he's in the rain in the car and it's a dramatic rain car scene there are so many dramatic rain car scenes because this show is so dramatic I also love a rain car scene but not all the time I feel like like where is the car? I don't know is it out at Rachel's house? has he spent this whole time leaving her house? (laughs) (laughs) like a day he's falling over (laughs) he gets swimming in puddles he got stopped by Jeff Goldblum. He was like, yes, yes. Want some cookies? Yes, yes. I got some milk. No. find out soon when he becomes Rachel Berry's dad. Won't we? And then you'll have so... Everyone will have all of the Jeff Goldblum... I know. I know you just want me the whole episode. Yes, you. I know you want me the whole episode. You're just take my Jeff Goldblum. I know you want me. I know you want but, me. But, you know... We can't have that all the time. Well, you've got to wait for season three. You've got to wait nearly a whole year <laughs> until oh my God. we can see you do that. Um, oh, ba- uh-huh. Okay, so this is whole like the whole scene with John. Not John, his name's not John. Jesse and Shelby in the car. It's like, you get Jesse to listen to that tape. Oh, my God. Um, and then we get to another scene, which is really sad. Which we go from one scene that's depressing to another scene that's really depressing. Between Emma and Artie. And Artie's like showing Emma all this stuff that he's, like, been given by freaking Tina. And I feel bad for both of them yeah. because, obviously, it must be really difficult in the position of a, of a faculty member like Emma to give out the hard truth to Artie. Literally break his, crush his dream. She literally was, like, had his dream, the palm of her hand. She's like... 
She's come, which is the, this is now the second time in this episode that Artie has literally, metaphorically and physically, had his dream crumpled in front of him. Literally, poor Artie, poor kid. Really had the the ruins. That's why I like Artie this season. I think that he's just trying to have a good time, and it's just not going. He very just wants well to walk. Him. He just wants to. He talks the talk, and now he just wants to walk the walk. Um, one of the most dramatic, and I'm not surprised that Josh Whedon directed it, it's one of the most dramatic Glee episodes because there's not enough humour to cancel it out. Because normally there's like some sad scenes, there's like a Sue scene, and there is some funny scenes there, so don't get me wrong. But for me, there's a lot of sadness and a lot of like kind of more darker themes, like yeah. um, disability and um, adoption and lost dreams. Like, it's quite sad. <laughs> It really is. Um, and then we get jean jackets, and Kurt runs to those jean jackets. He's okay. like, I see the sparkles. They must be on my body. And it's so cute. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we find out that Will Schuster has landed the role in this stupid little tie production of Lemes. And he. Literally, it was ran by Guy. Who owns a laundry company? <laughs> he really says, Who is in this? I know. It's clearly only them two. Um, <laughs> I like how you, said you get town person. Town person isn't even a character in Name Is. <laughs> oh, okay. I genuinely think one of the funniest. <laughs> One of the funniest glee scenes is just Brian Ryan practicing. <laughs> Hooray! 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 <laughs> Hooray! You know, the, you know what the most ironic thing is? Is that there's no lines in Les Mis. <laughs> Hooray isn't a line in Les Mis. There's no spoken like, words. Everyone dies. Hooray! Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> but there isn't there's no I've, uh, not to no. be that gal but I've done Lemis I've also read the book and it's just there's literally zero lines or dialogue in Lemis so that's what I think is hilarious um, oh my God. they just put him in <laughs> but I have to say once again Will literally decided to give up something that he really wanted to do just to save the Glee Club and this is one of the things I love, love about Shu is that he really does care about his kids because this is a completely selfless act because he still would have had his job if he didn't but do this. I guarantee there's going to be another episode. I don't know when. I don't know when. I don't know where. I don't know how. Um, but he's going to be like, you know, I forgot what episode it was and I forgot what happened. But when he literally, d- no, what was it, Ackerfellas or something, mm-hmm. where he just like, Literally, completely, he was like, oh, gets a shit about the Glee Club, I'm just going to start my own a cappella band. Like, but that was at the very beginning, and he only was with the Glee Club like a month. I feel like he's going to do it again, though. Am I wrong? Mm, you're not, you are a little bit wrong, but we'll find out more about that in season two. Yeah. my God. <gasps> no. Is Darren going to be there? Darren technically isn't there, no. Sorry. Is Darren going to be there? Darren technically isn't going to be there, no. <laughs> hey, ask again. The <laughs> question. You're... It's not about Darren being there. Oh, okay. Right? What is your question? Is Darren... <laughs> technically, no. 
Any more questions? No. Okay, That's good. It. Um, I'll tell you if I think of anything else. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> this is one, of, and let me now skip to "I Dream a Dream," which is so beautiful, right. so powerful, <laughs> and it's one of the best duets in Green. No one talks about because, much like "Dream On," because it's not between Glee Club members specifically. They don't. People don't really think about it. It's like a good duet in Glee. I'm applauding the casting for this because literally Adele Dazim and <laughs> Lee Michelle, that you they could pass for mother and daughter. Oh, really? Maybe literally. they're sisters because they both look really, they look really young. Oh, I will say that I just realised that the two duets, like the biggest duets, like Dream On and this one, are both not duet songs, but they made them into duets. So I think it's really clever. That's true. Um, I did, that's true. Yeah, I did this. I did this. Did this I did this song. I did a dream with my friend. Uh, well, used to be friend. Um, you have friends. Oh, I, well, it's not a friend anymore. But we did this well. in a cabaret performance evening thing, and um, it went really well. But I was I was Adele Dazim because I couldn't hit the Rachel Ray notes. Probably could now, that's but okay. at the time I could not. Um, it's a really pretty song. Really, really, really stunning and unique arrangement. Um, and it just shows how powerful and good Glee is, like with like the arrangements and mashups, because obviously you, you think about like the plots and the characters, but you also forget that they also create every single music and like track. They don't just take they don't just take karaoke versions of of the actual song. They have to create their own their own version of the track, um, yeah. which I think is really really good. Uh, then we skip to Artie and Tina, and basically Artie saying, "I can't dance. Give it." to someone else um it's like but no i want to dance with you okay the premise of it is quite dramatic and sad but it's not that deep that you don't dance with him once but like, she was like she's like i want to dance with you i was like but it's okay like but then i don't know like i still think they should have danced together though i know i know it is because then that's kind of just like saying she basically contradicted herself um because at the start she was like you can do anything and now she's like well okay (laughs) maybe you can't do anything bye (laughs) like she's like "Mm, you know what that's fine i'll just dance with the best dancer in the room literally apart from you apart from me (laughs) obviously apart from me apart from cory monteith um (laughs) apart from brad oh my god not brad honestly brad dance missed him so then we get to um, the scene where he's basically saying, like, everyone's got good dreams. Brian Ryan's gone. Um, we're going to focus on all your dreams now. Make you all start. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, let's start with Tina's dream. When have we ever started with Tina's dream? She's the last <laughs> person we think. Unfortunately. Sorry, Tina. But it's true. He's like, this is the only other time we ever start with Tina. It's because this episode was about Tina kind of not really... I like yeah. This is other than other than props in season three. This is one of the only episodes that has any Tina content. Oh, no. well, I guess it's literally just like it wasn't even about her. It was just about Artie and how she supported Artie. Exactly, and then like I was gonna say also Asian F, but that's also all about Mike and Tina's just like kind of there. Poor Tina. Literally, she's always a, literally. Is Jenna Squid okay? Mm. Like I, I need to see if he was okay. She knew she she fully was aware that this was the case, basically. That she she was okay with it. 
Oh God, no! But she was getting paid for it, and she was on screen. So I, I mean, maybe the first couple seasons she didn't really care. But like by season like four and five, well, season four she got a lot. Season four was when she really did that. But it was still especially because when she was like one of the only OGs like left, apart from like her and Artie, like as in you know when like everyone else went off to like New York or whatever. Yeah, and like it was like she was one of the OGs and still like. She even just Tina wasn't getting anything. Well, I will like, say this because I think I had just done a podcast before, but I had to edit it out because the audio is so bad. So I'm going to try and make it okay. Well, get into the podcast today. Um, <laughs> but the reason why Tina doesn't, it was like, oh, you love Rachel season one, two, and three, but when Tina like becomes like full of herself kind of thing, season four and five, everyone hates it. But the reason why is because it's just sprung on us, like with Rachel. We've had three seasons to understand why she is the way that she is. We get backstory, parents, you know, failures, relationships, issues, like all this stuff. Whereas with Tina, it went from having nothing to immediately she being at the similar um, expectations level as Rachel, but without any backup and without a solid foundation for us to understand why she is doing the the way that she's doing it. So yeah. that's why Tina's complete arc is broken and ruined because we didn't even get an arc. We just kind of got a straight line up. It was... <laughs> and it... it was like, Tina doesn't exist. Tina, no, she <laughs> like, really Tina is everyone. nothing. Tina's everything. It's like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So that's why I really get upset about Tina's storyline because it really is quite sad that it, has, it happened because it would have been so yeah. much better if there was follow through but she ends up just going crazy. Like if we didn't, I mean, I would. It was really Jenna It's Like, okay, I'm just gonna go ape shit right now. <laughs> they put it was really all unscripted, and she was just like, "I'm so mad yeah." Now. She's like, um, <laughs> "Jenna, your lines were no lines this scene. So why have you taken 50? <laughs> <laughs> she just pretended she was shouting at Ryan Murphy. The whole Jenna, your line was, "I agree, Rachel. Why did you have a whole paragraph?" <laughs> why did you punch her in the face what's going on <laughs> Jenna you were supposed to sing the words ooh and ah why did you sing Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> why did you sing the whole song <laughs> why did you pause the memory? take the solo you're currently lip syncing Tony and Michelle right now we need you to stop <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, poor, poor Jenna Oshkowitz. Um, and he, she goes, "Oh, have you chosen?" Okay, so then Will goes, "Have you chosen a partner?" And she goes, "Yes." It's like dramatic, thinking she's going to choose Artie, even though we know oh, she's not going to choose Artie. And she uses Mike Chang, and I said, "Dance partner? Don't you mean life partner?" Oh, love them. Unproblematic couple of the entire show was Mike and Tina. Who? Tyke and Mina. Mina. <laughs> and then I'll just say, just like last episode, stars shining bright above. <laughs> See, I'm going to keep that in. But stands up. Thank you. Stands out all the time. And you know, I don't know how hard it is to edit when you just randomly start singing <laughs> in between. And I'm like, it's really fun. I'm glad you enjoy it. I need to now spend. I spent two hours editing this. Do you want to edit it this time? Do you want to have a fun little go? No, thanks. <laughs> it just ends so boringly. Like this song 
doesn't interest it's me. It's so depressing. It's just kind of like... It's really depressing and really depressing. Like, <laughs> the reason why tap doesn't really translate well on, like, TV and, like, music videos is because it's not that visually interesting to, like, maybe more than, like, ballet or something, but, like, it's just a little bit boring and the song was a little bit boring and nothing really happened normally there's like flashbacks in the scene in the song like you know like it's like oh and then they feel I this i mean quinn quinn touched artie's shoulder oh great that's a flashback isn't it she was sympathizing quinn with her zero lines this episode. <laughs> episode and i have to say the next episode as well is really 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 good um, next episode oh, is, is... is lady uh-huh is it the theatricality? Yes, it is. Oh, <laughs> theatricality, <gasps> and then it's funk. Oh, oh funk is the worst. The funk. No, funk, funk is the absolute. I literally love that song so much. Literally, nearly made my yeah. Account. I promise you, when we give, when you have to watch the episode. Oh, hold on. So you'll think, what is this? I promise you, you won't remember how bad it is until you watch it. Yeah, but also. They did a funk number. The actuality, I think, is the strongest Glee episode season one, and I'm really, really excited about it. I thought you said that about Lounge Writer. One of the best. <laughs> I said that one. This one is the best. <laughs> but one that's against it's because it's a Kurt Hummel episode, and that's really important to me. Again, everyone has different opinions, but I think Kurt Hummel's is the most. Arby's. Kurt Hummel's. <laughs> oh, dude. Kurt Hummel's storyline to me is the most emotional and we have the most attachment and most you care about the most um, and we're going to get a little bit more of um, Quinn as well we're going to come back to Quinn because we kind of forgot about Quinn the last 10 episodes um, oops. oops our bad she didn't even have a bump and then after the I know literally and then after the theatricality we've got two more episodes and then we're on season two <laughs> And then we would have done 22 podcasts. That's not even that many. <laughs> no, I know. But it feels like we've done a thousand. It feels like we've been doing this for like 10 years. So that means we have one, two, three, six, seven. nine more podcasts until... Darren Christ. Darren Christ. And we were at nine podcasts at Wheels, which was oh. when they were saying, this one to be you already. I'll leave you with this. Okay. We want the funk. Beautiful. Thank you for that. We need the funk. It's one. Um, it's the... Comment down below if you want me to do a whole episode me doing my Jeff Goldblum depression. <laughs> and I'll do it. Jeff Goldblum depression? In impression. Uh, also, Jeff, <gasps> Jeff Goldblum depressed. Uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> alarms for people uh, it's time to wake up yes yes <laughs> i would like to take this as my official leave of the coup girls one week i'm giving it over to me. sophie sophie can take oh, over what? no sophie are you <laughs> i think i should do a podcast just me on my own it'll be so interesting you can do that for the episode that darren comes in <laughs> Would you let it? Happen? No, I would. I want to finish this episode. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Again, so sorry it's late. I told you it's going to be a little bit tricky because I'm coming back from uni. We're moving. Everything's kind of up in arms. Liv's going back to work. It's a lot, but yes, we sir. promised to put, put out two a week. 
um maybe no no i will promise part two <laughs> um thank you so much for listening maybe thank you Liv, for being here and watching the episode by force i know i cried the whole time i don't i don't doubt that um we want to get excited for next episode which is theatricality which i think is the strongest episode season one i love it so much Yay. um so much love and yeah ciao for now, ciao for now. goodbye ciao for now.